somebody. How are we doing today? Yeah, y'all are talking a bunch. I love it. Y'all just talking to people. Was Valentine's Day really that controversial? I mean, it was like, no, it's a horrible holiday. Just admit it. <laughs> if it's your, oh, I'm going to stop right there. I'm already getting in trouble. Hey, if it's your first time here today, my name is Craig, and my wife Patty and I get to pastor this amazing church, and we are so glad that you allow us to be your pastors. It means the world to us. It really does. Now, the word soul, we started a new series today called Soul Train, and that word soul, I mean, if you think about it, soul is used in our language in English so many different ways, right? You have the you have the sole of your shoe. I know it's spelled different. Hang, just hang with me, okay? But you have the sole of your shoe. You might have, they don't say it anymore, but back in the day they would say, hey, man, you got soul, bro. Or, or we've, got, we've got soul food, which, by the way, is one of my favorite things on the planet, a little oxtail. Don't judge me. It's good stuff. All right, soul food. Um, if you remember coming to America, you have the infamous hair product, Soul Glow. Come on, baby. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm saying? And then, of course, you have Soul Train, and it was the, if you don't know what Soul Train was, that's just because you're young, but that was in the seven, late 70s, early 80s. It was a dance show on TV. They would never let me on it because I got no rhythm at all. I went into a restaurant the other day, and I said, hey, do you guys serve crackers? And she said, we serve everybody, sir. That, that's how, that's, that's how white I am. It's just, that's how white I am. Um, <laughs> welcome to South Foot. Yeah. Okay. Um, so soul is used in all these different ways. And then, then you step into the spiritual realm, and we start talking about our, our soul. And, and we, we have a soul. And honestly, I think it doesn't matter. Now, I'm going to definitely do a broad stroke here. But I don't think it matters what religion you are, what... Whatever. If you're a human, I think most humans admit or think or comprehend there's a soul. You know, I mean, I, I don't know where you are in that whole spectrum, but you might be like, yeah, well, I've got a soul. Here's the problem. I think most people, most, of, most humans will admit they have a soul, but nobody knows what a soul is. Like, I, I grew up in church. I mean, when I say I grew up in church, I mean like, yo, bro, I grew up in church Went to church all the time, went to Bible college, did all this learning, and I, here's what I learned about the soul during church life and even college and all this stuff, got a degree in biblical education. Here's what I learned about the soul. Are you ready? There was two things they taught me. They taught me, yes, you have a soul. The second thing was, you do not want your soul to go to hell. That which that's pretty good advice. It doesn't, it doesn't really explain the soul. And so the soul is obviously this inner thing. But we all, have, we all have this outer life. We have this outer life. This stuff's in your notes. And by the way, if you want digital notes, they're on the QR code on the back of your seat. You can scan that. But you have, you have this outer life. We all have an outer life. We have, it's that, it's that the things that you've produced, you know, your job, the, the tasks that you do, the relationships you have. The, the attitude that you have, the way people see you, it's our outer life. And then we all have the inner life. We have that life inside of us that, you know, it's your hopes, it's your dreams, it's your, those emotions, with the ones that don't come out of your mouth. You know what I'm saying? Come on, somebody. And, and so our inner life is quieter than our outer life. And here's what happens. 
We have so much teaching and so many things about our outer life, and we work on our outer life, like big time. Come on, you know you do, because we try to, we, we read books, especially this time of year, about, oh, healthy habits. I'm going to fix this habit. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a better leader. I'm going to be a better this. And all of that stuff is an outward life thing. And we work on the outer life so much, and since the inner life is more quiet, we tend to ignore the inner life, and we work on the outer life, hoping that all the work on the outer life will somehow trickle into our inner life and make it better. But here's what happens, and you've probably experienced this, maybe you didn't put words to it, but we work so much on our outer life, and it really does get better, and here's the problem. When your outer life gets better, it gets more complicated. When more things are added to your life, even good stuff, it, it gets more complicated, and you've grown the outer life, but you haven't taken time to grow the inner life, and then we try to go through life, and it's almost like we're, we're navigating life through our own private blizzard. You know, you just can't seem to see clearly because you've got all of this stuff going on. Look at this scripture. This is how we start out. This is the very, very beginning, way back, Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Maybe some of you were there. I don't know. Um, I'm old, but I ain't that old. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living what? Soul. 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 Fill in the blanks. The soul is the center life of human beings. Or you can say this, another fill in the blank. You are not just a self you are a soul. You are not just a self, you are a soul. Okay, now, this whole series, I'm going to be talking about the soul, and I really hope it kind of goes with our last series because the whole idea that the Lord has really placed in my heart this year is just we need to grow up and mature. We need to spiritually grow up and mature, and I guarantee that when you do, your life will be better for it. It, it really will. So let, let me break this down for you. You ready for a little teacher, teachery, teacher, teachery, teacher, teachery? Um, so you, we are all this way. We, we have these different parts, and so we all have a will. We have this, this will. We just call it willpower, okay? And the will is probably one of the weakest elements of our life. And you might be sitting here and go, oh, no, sir, Pastor Craig, I have strong willpower. I can say no anytime I want to. I never fail or falter. <laughs> Liar. <laughs> Liar. Have you ever, you might have all the willpower you think, have you ever done something against your own better judgment? Yeah. I went to the movies this week, this weekend with my lovely bride, and I ordered popcorn and we had already had dinner, but, you know, it doesn't matter if you already had dinner. You want popcorn. Come on, somebody. Just be honest with me. And I, popcorn, I love popcorn. Anybody else love popcorn? I mean, like, love. Like, I'll hurt you for some popcorn. And, but popcorn does not like me. It, you know, if I eat too much of it, I, so you're like, he's so old. I can't help it. It just hurts, all right? And I sat down in that movie theater. I got a bag of popcorn. And, and I thought to myself... I know when enough is enough. I, just because you were there, Patty, doesn't mean you need to comment. It was like the big bag, not the bucket, you know, so like the medium size, you know, you, and just nod at me if you've ever been to the movies. We don't think it's a sin. Okay, welcome to South Park. Okay. And, and so 
I look down, because like you're eating and you, your hand goes deeper and deeper. Anybody notice this? And the movie was start. All I've seen is the previews. And I had eaten three quarters of this giant bag of popcorn. I was just like, take it away. My willpower was not that strong. Our willpower, your willpower, my willpower, every single time will fall prey to the daily habits that you have in your life. Every single time. So we have our will. We also have our minds. We, another section of us is our minds. And in your mind is all your thoughts and your emotions. Don't fall prey to the old thing. All the emotions are in my heart. No, it's not. They're in your mind, right? They're brain chemicals. Come on, it's, it's in your mind. So your thoughts and your emotions that are going through your mind, eight times out of ten, they fall into the ditches of the habits that you've been doing. Eight out of ten times. That's my guess. That's just my number, okay? But we have our mind. So we have our will, we have our mind, and then we got to talk about this glorious thing that you are in, your body. You might love your body, you might hate your body, you might like your body, you like, might like somebody else's body more than yours. I do not know, but we've all got a body. And our body is how we interact. Are y'all still good? Yeah. Our body is how we interact with the world around us, right? Our five senses, blah, blah, blah. You all get that. Okay, you put these three together and you have this cool little Venn diagram. That is the soul. The soul is where these three things overlap. Is that, okay, y'all tracking with me? Okay, I told you a little tea tree, but hang on. So look at this, Mark chapter 8, verse 36. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? I'm going to read this again. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Growing up, I used to think that meant, what does it mean? Jesus is saying, if, if you had all the sex you could ever want, if you had all the money you could ever want, if you had all the tasty food that you could ever devour, that you could travel anywhere you ever want, but your soul is not saved, you're still going to hell. Okay? That's what I used to think. Fill in the blank. Jesus is talking about a diagnosis, not a destination. Nope, haven't lost my place. I want, you to, I want this to sink in for a second. Jesus is talking about a diagnosis, not a destination. What he's saying is we need to look at our souls because we, we end up getting, when things go awry, we end up getting our circles, if you will, if you remember, our circles out of order. It's almost like the lines in between get disintegrated and things just get out of order. Maybe you're so focused on your body for a while that things get out of order or your willpower, whatever, and things get messed up and we have lost the center drive of who we are supposed to be, which is our soul. Some of you are looking at me like I'm crazy. I'll do it this way. Let's say, this would be like, say, what does that look like? That looks like the, the, the mom that is trying to raise the perfect household with the perfect kids because they can't act up anywhere, with the perfect husband because she saw it on Instagram. And so it doesn't go like she saw it on Instagram, and so all of a sudden her kids are misbehaving too much and her husband is not that happy. And so she starts drinking a little more than she should start drinking, and then she starts getting a little bit bigger than she ever wants to get. And she turns around and she thinks, I have a husband problem. <laughs> or I have a kid problem. No, what does she have? She has a soul problem. Because her soul has gotten out of alignment. Is this making sense to anybody? 
When you see somebody that's full of anger, when you see somebody that's full of wrath, when you see somebody that's jealous, full of gossip, all of these different negative things, it's like that's your soul out of alignment. And that's what we see across the board. There's too many people with their soul out of alignment and all of these other things are coming to the surface. It's like, it's like you're a car without a steering wheel. It doesn't matter how fast you go through life, you are a wreck waiting to happen. How are we doing? Are we having fun yet? Huh? This is so encouraging. We'll get there, but not till the very, very end. I think one of our problems with understanding the soul nowadays is our culture, and we've just kind of adapted it, we have made self and soul synonymous. And they're not. They're not. I mean, think about the language of self, ourself. If, you are, if you're insulted, you better stand up for yourself. If you're stressed, you better take care of yourself if you are and fill in the blank if you are and fill in the blank if you're going to get a new tattoo you need to express yourself if you are going on a date you need to be yourself what if yourself is a train wreck self and soul are not the same thing we are a self but we have a soul now Jesus lays out this this diagnosis of the soul where it's not a destination and I'm going to read a parable that Jesus taught and you have probably read it most of your life thinking that this is a parable about heaven and hell and it's not this is a parable about the condition of our soul and we read over it all the time thinking oh that was heaven or hell it's not heaven or hell and Jesus even explains it and we still interpret like oh that's heaven or hell Jesus is trying to diagnose help us diagnose our souls because if we don't diagnose our souls correctly and get ourselves in line here's what's going to happen our life is going to be a train wreck we love Jesus we're heaven bound but our life is a train wreck I'll say it like I said it last series does anybody want a different year this year than you got last year look at this parable in Mark chapter 4 verse 3 a farmer went out to plant some seed as he scattered it across his field, some of the seed fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plant soon wilted under the hot sun, and since it didn't have deep roots, it died. Other seed fell among thorns. Y'all still with me? Other seed fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants so they produced no grain, or another translation says no fruit. Still, other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they sprouted, grew, and produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Okay, now, there are a couple of constants in this parable. Are y'all still good? Okay, there's a couple of constants in this parable. The first one is the seed. The seed doesn't change. The seed is the kingdom of God. It is he's spreading the kingdom. It is this idea of a whole new way of life. It is the kingdom of God. And then the other constant thing is the farmer or the sower, and that is God. And he is symbol it's symbolic of his generosity. He throws his kingdom seed to anybody, everybody, no matter where you are, from one end of the universe to the other. It doesn't matter your race, your color, your kind, your gender. He is throwing the seed of the kingdom in your direction. And that's good stuff. And that's good news. But there's one thing in this, in this scripture that changes every single time, and that's the soil. 
The soil is representative of our soul. And I will probably mistalk and say soul and soil back and forth, but you get the point. Maybe I should make one word, sile, sile, sile. Make a word, sile, soil, seal. Let's move on. So the first one here, look at this, the first, the first condition of the soul. Anyway, as we go through these, here's what I challenge you to do. I'm going I'm to go through these. I challenge you to find out where your soul is. Well, I love Jesus. I'm glad you love Jesus. You're at church on a, sun, on a rainy Sunday. I pretty much am pretty sure you at least know something about Jesus. I'm just guessing, okay? But what's the condition of your soul? The first one is the hardened soul, the hardened soul. And he talks about that seed that was thrown on that footpath, right? Where there was a crusty top and the seed couldn't even get down. This is that person where you might love Jesus, but you have been walked over so many times. People have stepped on you. They have won one broken relationship to the next. And every time you get close to somebody, you back up now because your heart and your soul has gotten so hardened because people have used you as a doormat. Or maybe church hurt. That's a, that's a buzzword nowadays, isn't it? Church hurt. I'm church hurt. You're not church hurt. You were hurt by church people. And let me just help you out. No matter what church you go to, you will be hurt. Because we are not perfect. We're trying to work it out together. But what we end up doing is we get hurt we say we don't do forgiveness because we, we rarely do forgiveness well. And so whether it was a relationship, a broken marriage, an old marriage, an old church, this church, me, whoever, and you get hurt and you just get, you feel like you've been walked all over. And so you just put layer after layer and you protect your soul. And what you don't realize is you're protecting your soul in this box, but that box is a coffin because you will never find real life when you isolate yourself. It's an interesting thing. We usually sin alone, but we heal in community. We need each other. We have to have each other. And the only way to do that is to let down those barriers and, yes, do the scary thing of meeting other people and working our lives out in community. Don't let the past broken relationships that have hurt you, walked all over you, and wounded you, let that, don't let that be the final story in your story. Turn the page. Don't get so mad at them that you're missing the grace and the mercy that Jesus Christ is still offering you. Because you might be mad at me. I might have hurt you. The person sitting across from you or that you only come in different services because that's helpful, right? And so, <laughs> sorry. Uh, anyway, I made myself laugh and then I forgot where I was. But you have to find the healing. Don't let that be isolated to where you are. Oh, take the brave step and open yourself up and receive the healing. Let him heal you. Okay, you ready for the second one? Okay, here's the second one. The second one is the shallow soul. The shallow soul. This is, the, this is that verse where Jesus was saying, hey, the seed was thrown on soil, and it sprouted right up like it was good soil, right? Things, things grew, but the sun came out, and it... Trials, tribulations happened, and there was no roots. That plant didn't put deep roots down, and so the first sign of crisis, it tipped over. Have you ever noticed, maybe I'm the only one, I don't think I am, we right now live in probably one of the most shallow societies on the planet. Can, can we, can most of us agree on that? Like, if you don't agree with that, have you, 
have you guys been on Instagram lately? Okay, I'm getting ready to say some things about Instagram. I'm on Instagram, so I'm not really throwing complete shade at it, but here's what I'm saying. Instagram is all about the surface. Millions and millions of people are on Instagram, and it's all about I have to look right, I have to have the right filter, and now people are having plastic surgery to make themselves look like the computer filter. Have you heard of this stuff? It's, everything is about this outer life and this shallow thing. And then we wonder why when crisis comes at us, we can't handle it because we put no deep roots down in anything. We are one shallow society. Fill in the blank. Crisis reveals the depth of our soul. Crisis reveals the depth of our soul. You have to put roots down. How do you do that? Colossians 2, 7 says this. Let your roots grow down into him. That's Jesus, by the way. Let your roots go down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Let me say this again. You will... You, you will Walk in the truth that you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. It is hard to be thankful and shallow at the same time. It is hard to be thankful and shallow at the same time. Oh, my God. They got the milk wrong in my coffee order? I won't even touch that one. How about... Oh my God, the traffic is so bad. I just can't handle the traffic. You know who doesn't complain about traffic? Somebody who can't even afford a car. Have you noticed that complaints are incredibly shallow? The one thing our soul longs for more than anything else is depth. It screams for depth. It screams for something besides the shallowness that we're being offered in our country. Isn't it funny that the Bible says, I don't think it's funny, but the Bible says he inhabits the praises of his people. It does not say he inhabits the complaints of his people. We wonder why we don't feel the presence of God and why we're struggling in that. Could it be that the atmosphere that we're creating is a shallow, complaining atmosphere that God refuses to step into? I know nobody's clapping and nobody's running the aisles because that's not very fun because when we start going through what comes out of our mouth all day long, it's usually complaining rather than praising. So I don't have anything to praise about. I, ooh, I beg to differ. I could give you a list a mile long and if you still can't come up with anything else, here's one that God says that you can praise him for all the time. He has saved you by the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. And your name is written in another book in another realm in heaven and you, have, you are saved by grace. So if you got nothing else, how many know that's a really big thing? But I know that you're sitting here, most of you have showered, most of you have on clean clothes. I can't say all, I'm looking at you. Anyway, <laughs> most of you have showered, most of you have on clean clothes, most of you have eaten. We have so many things to be thankful for. Why are we nitpicking and plucking things out of the news and out of social media and everything else to complain about? What if we pick things out to glorify God about? It will change your outlook on life, and I guarantee this, it will make your roots grow deeper in Christ. The reason we can't find things to be thankful for is because we don't have deep enough roots to even figure it out. 
Ephesians 3.17 says this, Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. You will not topple when Christ comes because now you are no longer a shallow soul. How we doing? Is everybody good? Everybody good? You say that, wait till the next one, okay? Because the next one was written about Americans. It, all, it says in some of the translations, this is the American church. Okay. But are, are, we, are we all good? And I, want, I, I seriously, I'm joking a little bit because it's kind of a heavy topic. But I want, I want you to diagnose your soul. So far, are you, where are you? You don't have to raise your hand. But I want you to do a little work inside. Inside. Are you hardened? Are you cynical? Are you suspicious? Not questioning, because questions are good. I question this, I question that. But are you suspicious of church people? Are you suspicious of a new relationship? Are you suspicious? That's a hardened heart. That's a hardened soul. Or is it the second one? Anybody remember the second one? Are you shallow? Have you, when you look back at your life, every time a crisis comes, do you topple over? Or do you have roots that go down? Here's the third one. The cluttered soul. The cluttered soul. This one has always fascinated me because the seed, the, Jesus tells us in the parable that the seed was planted on soil and it grew and it grew good and it grew roots and everything was good. And let me just say this. If you love Jesus Christ and he lives in your heart, then you are fertile soil and things will grow in your life. But just because it will grow in your life does not necessarily mean that it needs to be in your life. It is our responsibility to tend to our soul garden. And just because, God will bring you blessings all day long. I guarantee he will bring you blessings all day long. But if you receive and take into your life every single thing, you will have a cluttered soul. And those things will eventually choke out the very purpose that you have in life. Isn't it interesting that we seem to think that if we can afford it, I should have it. If it's available to my kids, they should be in it. I told you, this is not the fun one. And we just keep adding things to our life, and we wonder why we're stressed out, and we have this cluttered life, and we don't seem to have a clear vision, and we're struggling with all these things. Could it be that we have brought too many things in our life? Well, but it's good. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying, could it be that we would be, be isn't it interesting that the best always falls prey to the good? God wants the best for us, and we gobble up everything that's good. And he's like, well, yeah, that's, that's good. But I'm still waiting to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ever even ask or think. And you're just taking the first thing that comes along. Is that good? Yeah, it's good. But is there more? Yes. But if you don't have room for the more because you crowded your plate with the good, you'll never get to the more because you're too busy with the good. I'm preaching to somebody whether you like it or not. We are the busiest society for the history of the planet. Did you know that? I just, I'm not sure we give God enough time to move. Isn't it interesting that the common excuse many times, you know, hey, I can't make it on Sunday because I'm busy. I'd get in a group. I, I really would get in a group. But, I, man, I just tell you what, I'm, 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 I'm busy. 
man, I would love to live in community and go out with some friends and, and have dinner and just and, and celebrate life, but I'm, I'm, I'm busy. I used to think, I genuinely thought this, struggled with it for several years, that I was only accepted for what I did and achieved. And that when people looked at me, they weren't looking at me, they were looking at what I did. I see some of you nodding. Yeah, some, uh, yeah. you, you might get this, I don't know, depends how old you are, I think, I don't know. <laughs> And so what that made me do is that made me hate, and I say hate, literally hate this word that I never wanted to creep into my life, and it's the word lazy. I didn't want to be lazy. My dad raised me to be a grown man, and I work. I just got my first job at 14, never looked back, right? Work, achieve, produce. Now, do you need a job? Yeah, get a job. Get a J-O-B. It's good. But I took it too far. So much so that in the first years of pastoring here, um, if somebody called, if I happened to be on my Sabbath, which is a day off, by the way, which is my Friday, I don't answer my phone anymore on Friday, but I used to, even though it was my Sabbath, I learned. Um, but people would call, hey, what are you doing? Nothing, man. What can I do for you? Well, that was a lie. I lied because I was taking a nap. <laughs> Naps are holy. <laughs> They're of the Lord. I could nap in algebra class. No, don't say <laughs> But I hope you see this. It, I got so programmed that I had to continually produce and let everybody think I was producing even when I wasn't really producing because I had a different view of how it's supposed to be. Does that make sense? I don't know if that makes sense. I think at some point we just have to get real again and realize that our bodies, one of those circles, our bodies was not created to go full bore every single day, 24 hours a day. Just, it's, it's just not. And our work days have gotten longer and longer and longer. And I, man, they're also now showing that the, our work days are getting longer, but we're actually producing less than we've ever produced before. Isn't that crazy? You know why that is? That's this thing called burnout. What is that called? That, what's burnout? Your soul is not healthy. It's not healthy. And, and this next, these next few weeks, I really want, we're just going to talk about the soul and getting healthy again ourselves. That might not interest you, but it definitely interests me. I think we need it. We need it. So, I'm going to pray. But I, before I pray, I want you to ask yourself a question. I want you to do a little diagnosis because that's what we're going to pray about. Where are you on this soul continuum? Now, we didn't cover the last one where you, you reaped 30, 60, and 100 fold, right? Um, I'm not perfect, and I'm guessing you're not either. I'm just, I'm just guessing. So we'll stick with those first three that Jesus showed, th showed us. Are you hard-hearted? Hard are, are, is your soul got a thick layer that you just push back all relationships? You're just not going to do it? Man, can I encourage you today to take a chance? Or, or do you have no depth? Are you so focused on your outer life that you're just shallow? Can I tell you something? You're not going to make it through the next crisis. 
and I guarantee one's coming? Or is your life so full that you don't have time to spend with him, to slow down? It's interesting, if you were here for the night of worship, we did two minutes of silence and just sat. No music, no nothing. Um, I've had more people, more of you, comment on how that two minutes was the most life-changing thing for them than anything else. Here's the interesting thing with that. Did you know you can have those two minutes every day? I mean, I mean, think about that. Any day, every day, God's waiting to be with us. So, with that diagnosis in your heart, let me pray with you. Heavenly Father, I love you so much. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power of your word. Jesus, I thank you for just revealing that you are helping us to diagnose the condition of our soul. So, Father, right now in this house, I just ask that you show us. Show us where we are. I think you, Holy Spirit, I'm pretty sure you've already shown us. And so, Father, I just ask that you encourage us. Strengthen us. Let us all get better. Let us become more like you. Still praying with your eyes closed, your head bowed. I'm going to ask you to raise your hands for each of these three things. And I want to pray for you right where you are. I'm not going to call you down front, make you stand up, nothing like that. But I'm just going to go through them. And I want to pray with you for a second. I've got time. I looked at the clock. It's all good. It's 9.57. I have three minutes left. Everybody take a deep breath. This is, will be the most important three minutes of some of your lives. You're here and you're saying, I'm struggling with relationships. I have been walked over so many times. My heart is so hard. I don't want anybody in my life. My soul is in a box or you call it a coffin, Craig. But I need help with that. If that's you, raise your hand up right where you are. And I'm not going to count because they're all over the place. Just hold your hand up real close, real high, real quick. Heavenly Father, you see these hands. You see these, these, these people that are properly diagnosing their soul with your presence and your help. And so, Father, today... I ask that you help them create a, man, it's just one, one little crack in the crust of their soul, one little sliver of light and let it shine in. Let them be brave and step into new relationships, trusting you, like the verses taught us, trusting you all along the way. Holy Spirit, I ask that you strengthen them, that you encourage them, and you let them feel your love and your support and bring healing. We sin alone, but we find healing in community. Father, plug them into community in a strong, powerful way. All right, you're here, and you're that second one. You, you're shallow. And we don't, you don't even want to say those words, but man, you just know. You've not put roots in anything. You complain more than anything else. You probably even think you might have a root of bitterness, and you might very well have a root of bitterness. But you're shallow, and you complain a lot, and you need God to change that in your life right now. Raise your hand up. Come on, raise it up. Nope, I'm going to wait a second, because there are more complainers in this house than that. Yep. All right. Heavenly Father, I love you, and I thank you for these beautiful, amazing people. And so, Lord, I just ask that you quicken their spirits every time they open their mouth. Let it be praise and glory, and every time that it's not, give them a quick, a quick breath. Let them realize I'm going to get better one sentence at a time, one thought at a time. 
So, Father, I ask that you just bring the depth to their soul. Let their roots go deeper and deeper into your word, deeper and deeper into a relationship with you. And so that they are strongly rooted on a a sure foundation. So no matter what crisis comes their way, they will stand strong in your spirit. Thank you, Lord. All right, last but not least, you're here and you're cluttered. And I know it's a longer prayer time than than normal, but I think it's necessary. You're here, cluttered life. You have no time for God. you got time for everything else but Him and that growth of that relationship. Raise your hand up. Come on, put it up. Yeah. Just be honest with yourself. I mean, it's not like we're going to take pictures of you. Put your hand up and say, I need God right here. All right. Heavenly Father, you see every single hand. And Lord, here's what I ask. I ask that today that they leave here with one thing in their life that they recognize they can remove. Father, just, just one thing, and let it be a conversation on the ride home. Let it just be, let it be an open conversation. Hey, I think I'm going to stop doing this. Is that bad? No, it's, it's, it's a good thing, but I'm going to make a little more margin. I'm going to make a little more room in my life to be with you. So, Father, I ask that you do that, that you show them that one thing, this, just one thing, one thing this week that they can remove from their lives and fill that. Lord, I just pray that when they remove that, that you fill Fill that soul vacuum with your presence and your spirit in a powerful way and let them never be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Guys, thank you so much for hanging out with me. Was that too teachery? Y'all good? Okay, I'll change it for next week. All right. Stand with me, if you will, while you're standing. If you need prayer for anything, there's beautiful people down front on both sides that would love to connect with you and pray with you. And also, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you want to take communion today, there's communion elements down front on both sides that you are more than welcome to partake of. All right. Let's pray the benediction. Who's got it memorized? Yeah? Think about it. If you get this thing memorized, you've memorized, I believe it's three verses total of the Bible. Isn't that awesome? You can take it with you wherever you go. Now may God, the fountain of hope, fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust in him. And may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with his super abundance until you radiate with hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go radiate hope, boys and girls.